so much poo. Like, you think in Caddyshack, the reason they got that scene is because that shit happens. Always, your nipples would just scrape against the and side I of the pool deck. And on my hips. Footsteps of yeah. blood everywhere. So we're in the pool, we're drilling together, we're doing the drills, you know, we're saving each other. I feel like it was sort of like a summer romance collectively. Hang out all day, lifeguarding, talking about what happened at the party the night before. Getting tan. Okay, occasionally you have to teach a swim lesson. We would have to, you know, draw straws for that one. Yeah. Yelling, no running, and partying every night. Yeah. And then So best job ever. <laughs> the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. When I was 16, I got a job that set the course of my life. I did 10 summers. <laughs> 10? Really? You did not. I did. 10. Wow. So yeah, long haul. Career number one. <laughs> yeah. I can't separate my life now as a middle-aged person from that high school job. The two are so entwined. Maybe I would have been the same person with the same life journey without it. But how could I know? It cemented my values, my understanding that hard work and teamwork are not optional but required, and my belief that fun can be made all the damn time. It set me on a career path that I have not deviated from. And this job created uniquely tight friendship bonds that will last a lifetime. My core of friends came from there. And it's just so funny how we all collected each other and then just never left. That job was obviously lifeguard. Is that slow-mo Baywatch running video playing in your mind right now? That's fine. But is that image the reality of what lifeguarding is like? at least for lifeguards who work for a city government within the Parks and Recreation Department. To figure that out, take yourself back to the 90s, when all these lifeguard friends got started. Christine, Vicki, Tamara, and Corey. I started in 98. 97. Junior in high school. 99? 95. Okay, yeah, so same as me. Somewhere after your sophomore year, yeah. That's like legally when we were allowed to start. Right. So we're going way back. You'll even hear my friends from high school, Tanya and Sarah. It's so funny how things are such a blur. Right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was like a huge part of my life. Yes. Yeah. Like months on end. And I can't remember like what I did. Who are you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is your name? These questions are too hard. Christine Marie Kessler. That is my name I'm when sorry. I lifeguarded. <laughs> and then when we all became friends, you guys started the nickname Teen. It's been a decade since we've worked in or near this field. 
but it's also in our bones now. Christine's time lifeguarding literally changed the name she's been called for 20 years. So to help you understand, let's go to the beginning, how we decided to become lifeguards before the internet and social media were around to explain how. If we go back to when you're 15 and a half or 16, like what even made you decide to get this job? Swimming and water polo. I did both. And, um... Most of the people that I played sports with all lifeguarded during the summer. I think because I was in the aquatic scene, if you will, started swimming in ninth grade and decided to play water polo. Getting wrapped up in that world, lifeguarding just naturally happened because I don't think I wanted to put on clothes. I just wanted to stay in a swimsuit. 100%. So I think I had just been swimming and playing water polo for years, and so the opportunity was there. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you want to do this during the summer. My very good friend, Megan's older brother, did it. And so it was like, hey, you should do this. And I was like, but I don't know how to swim. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't, I hadn't done, like, swim team or anything yet. But Megan was like, Uh, you'll be fine. You don't have to swim that much. Like, you could do it. Some people went to Wild Waters, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like a hellhole local water park full of pee and E. coli. (laughs) And you definitely have to do CPR up in there. Oh, yeah. Either that or they went to the island, which was like a horribly dangerous water park that I never, never, I would never in a million years. And I had one friend who was like, I'm lifeguarding for the city of Fresno. Yeah, and yeah. she told me about it. And I was like, Ooh, oh, hell yeah. yeah. That yeah. sounds like my kind of job. Yeah. You get paid $11 an right. hour? Yeah, it, was yes. more, it was more than minimum wage. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was more it was than minimum so wage. Yeah. Well, there's an entry fee. Because you had to pay money to get CPR and lifeguard certified. certified. They wouldn't take it out of your paycheck. You had to pay for it up front. That's right. And so you had to have money to get the job. job. Right. Right. We figured out how to go get CPR trained and like first aid Mm -hmm. trained. Like with no cell phones. How did we do all that? I don't know. We probably had to like print and fill out form and like go down to Ted C. Wills Community Center. (laughs) Yeah. To a human. We yes. sure did. Like, we yep. figured it out. I don't know how, but we did. Yeah, you had to, like, put some effort into getting that job. Yeah. So mm-hmm. why do you, or, like, why were we motivated to do that? Like, I wanted to work. Like, I wanted money and independence, I guess, was part of it. Like, what was it for you guys? I wanted the independence. I... I don't know if I really thought about the money. I don't, I, I probably, I'm sure I did. Um, but I think that being out in the sun was motivating and meeting new people. That was exciting back then. Everyone was in swimsuits. So it just seemed like a cool thing to do. Yes. You were horny is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Meeting new people. I feel like half of our school lifeguarded. Yeah. This is the best job, best summer job. Yeah. (laughs) 
So at 15 and a half years old, we were hungry for independence and in need of some cash flow and thirsty for boys in swim trunks. So we got ourselves all signed up for lifeguard certification training, which includes CPR, first aid, and of course, water safety. And we showed up shivering and scared on a pool deck with strangers. That's where I was like lifeguard certified. So that was the very first class. The very first CPR class was at Mosqueda and the very first lifeguarding. Oh, and I was at Airways. So Airways was a public golf course and we had a pool there and it was exactly what you would imagine from like a public golf course caddyshack style pool, right? So I remember going there for my training. So I think that's why we didn't meet the first year, Teen, because you trained at Mosqueda and I trained at Airways. So we were there on different years. It's Mosqueda. Yes. We said... (laughs) Mosqueda. <laughs> That's what we called it. You swam a 500 without being a swimmer? Yeah. I mean, same here. Yeah. Like yeah. No, I know. Like, I, I didn't even know how to dive when I, I did and lifeguard like, training. You need to teach kids how to dive, like, yeah. in swim lessons. And I was right. like, so mm, okay. And I'm like, I'm scared. But I did do it. <laughs> We all did our certification together, right? It's a great question. I think so. <laughs> but where? Where did we do that? Airways, right? Yes. Yeah, it must have been. I just remember that guy. Maybe his name was Zeus. Maybe it wasn't. Like he was this massive, huge guy. And we, I like, I remember having to go and he jumped off the diving board and I had to pull him up off the bottom of the pool. Saving Zeus. Saving Zeus. We had to hold that brick over our head, remember, and tread water for 60 seconds. That seemed like the hardest thing ever. I remember being like super eager and was like, oh, I could do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can get a brick off the bottom of the pool. (laughs) And it felt like a really fun challenge. And I I remember taking the classes really seriously. Yeah, because I wanted to, I was like, oh, I better know what I'm doing. Like the classwork was boring, but once we got to the pool and we're actually doing like the in person, grappling grappling (laughs) we thought the instructors were super old at the time i thought he was like 40 oh a hundred percent the oldest man i'd ever met we were hiding from him he was probably 24 (laughs) he probably was yeah yeah and he was like i'm a dj on this (laughs) (laughs) dj (laughs) dj So, I mean, as part of lifeguard training, like, they try to drown you. Like, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. And I just remember him, like, doing all the things. Like, they have to they have to do. It's not because he's creepy, but it certainly, like, feels creepy, right? Because he has to, like, come around behind you and grab you. And then you have to struggle out, you know? I remember about lifeguard training. I met my head lifeguard. He was so gorgeous. And, uh, She's really obsessed with her head guard person. <laughs> Who is this? Who he was. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, it's Michael. Right. Oh, yeah. So he was a sophomore, freshman, sophomore in college, frat boy, curly, brown hair, bright blue eyes, gorgeous, funny, 
smart. Oh, half naked, always, all the yes. time. So we're in the pool, we're drilling together, we're doing the drills, you know, we're saving each other. It was super fun. They did put me on a backboard though for a deep end spinal injury, uh-huh. completely have me strapped in right. and then flipped me over upside down. What? And I was never so scared in my life. That's yeah. terrifying. Why would yeah. they, that's not funny. They thought it was funny. That's no. not funny. Yeah, that's hazing. But can we talk about what it felt like? Because I'm really having flashbacks now. Yeah. I'm like in this. Yeah. Can yeah. we talk about the feeling of being the victim on the backboard? You're 75% naked in your swimsuit out of the water and everyone's strapping your body down. Is there a pube sticking? (laughs) Yeah. Like your vajay situation is just out and it's right at eye level for everybody. And then they're putting, they're putting straps over your tiny chi-chis. It is so, and then they're wrenching the straps down collapsing your nipples or rubbing them like it's horrible harder they're making your nipples harder but you are not turned on because this is very traumatizing but here's the thing welcome to aquatics culture so i out of the three of us i'm the one who grew up on the pool deck right swimming playing water polo like being in a bathing suit and having other people touching me while I'm in a bathing suit was like a very normal thing for me. Right. And so for all the aquatics people there, it was very normal. Yeah. And yeah. So and it didn't traumatize me no. whatsoever. And so to snuggle, and I played water polo co-ed. Yeah. So like to snuggle a hot guy doing drills. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just to clarify, like, I mean, yes, I have memories of thinking those thoughts, right? Of being like, are my pubes out? But like, in general, you're right. That is aquatics culture. Like, I very quickly had to be very comfortable in my body with other people's body, with people touching my body, because that's what the whole job was, right? Like, it went along with it. So, yeah. Learning how to do different holds and like under the arms and yeah and and you're not concerned with where you're touching someone because in the scenarios that we're saving them yeah like i need to help this person continue to exist in life like that's what the goal is so right yeah i guess it's just it's a very naked sport it's It's like anything aquatics is very naked and especially if you play water polo, it's very contact, very like full body contact. So I guess we just had very different like levels of comfortability coming into it. Coming into it, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. I got there right quick, but yeah, it was definitely like, oh, yeah. okay, this is how it is. In a future episode, we'll get into what it was like to be in a naked sport doing a job where most of your body is exposed and regularly touched. I know you probably want to jump to that episode right now, but stay with us, because there's more to share about Lifeguard Life. After certification and hire, every year the whole staff, 100 plus guards, would meet over Memorial Day weekend for preseason training. The first day of like City of Fresno training, they would yes. get this run those slaps and people would be jumping out throwing up and that was brutal. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, this is horrible. And then you'd see people throwing up. You're like, please don't let that be me. Please don't let that be me. 
the laps were brutal, but I perfected my go-to, the side stroke. Picking apples, put them in the basket. That first year, most of us started out as subs. And I was a substitute, which meant any lifeguard who needed a sub could call me, and I would just go anywhere I was needed. Everybody got a printed phone list with who was assigned at which of the 15 pools and who was a substitute. The phone list. Oh, all yes. the pools. Right. You would get the phone list with the pool and then all the guards assigned to it with their personal phone numbers. Phone number. And then the list of subs. That was the sub list. Yep. Yep. Cover your shift for you. Right. That thing was like gold. I was trying to copy of A, because I could like stalk any cute boys that were on the list. <laughs> B, you could find someone to cover your shift. <laughs> we didn't have a phone to call them on though. So <laughs> we'd be called from the office <laughs> during your break to try to cover your shift for the next day. We were really good planners. Like you can't do that now. Now you just like five minutes before, like I'm not coming in today or whatever. Like right. we had to plan it out. I know I'm like kind of amazed at like that level of skill that we had. <laughs> like think in the future. Yeah, we were actually pretty responsible. After a couple of shifts, you would get in with one pool staff or another and move to a full-time status there. Tanya and I were assigned to the same pool. I definitely remember the first year the most. Just, I mean, mm -hmm. your sister was there and we thought everyone was so old that really they were all like 20. I don't even think they had graduated from college. No, no. we were just the babies. Yeah, yeah. I was a sub and I went out to Ivy and I got along really good with the lifeguards there. And I had a big crush on my head guard mm -hmm. and he was really cute. And the pool manager was a little creepy now that I'm looking back on it. But at the time, I thought he was really cool. Right, totally. He gave us weed and he rubbed um, sunscreen on us <laughs> at every break. Like gave us back massages with sunscreen. And we were 16-year-old girls. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's probably like a whole topic that we can get into. But, like, this job is very much 16-year-olds through 25. I feel like 25, you're, like, old. Yeah. <laughs> you're the OG, right? 25 was the director, yeah. and we thought he was hella old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. Right. Yeah. So maybe, maybe like, 23 is, like, the top in a pool. So thrusting, like, your 16-year-old into a work environment where you're three-quarters naked mm -hmm. with the 23-year-olds is a thing. Yeah. And you work from noon, mm -hmm. maybe 10, to maybe 4 to 6. And then afterward, everyone, it's summertime. Uh -huh. It's all high school and college uh -huh. kids. And everyone goes out and parties yeah. every night. Yeah. So it was just hang out all day, lifeguarding, talking about what happened at the party mm -hmm. the night before. 
getting tan. Okay, occasionally you have to teach a swim lesson. We would have to, you know, draw straws for that one. Yeah. But other than that, you're just hanging out around the pool, trying to make sure kids don't drown, mostly yelling, no running. Correct. Yeah. And partying every night. Yeah. And then so best job ever. <laughs> if I could do it for the rest of my life and make a decent amount of money, I would totally do it. It's 100 degrees outside, but you're not sweating that. You're in your swimsuit with a big old wide straw sun hat. You're wearing Tevas. You've been rubbed down from head to toe with coconut scented SPF 70. If you start feeling too hot, you do this little two second jig in down, hand on lip of pool, hop in all the way to your chin, turn, two hands on the deck, boop, hop out. That'll last you another 30 minutes. Here's what it was like on deck. You had to have like a gigantic jug of water. Mm-hmm. And we would like put ice. And then Tanya, do you remember putting like peaches in there? Yes. <laughs> we would hide our food in there to keep it cold. Yes. And then during break, that. you could pull out your peach and it was so cold and it could just like <laughs> drip down your chin. And then you would jump in the pool and wash it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. I remember that. Our tiny little boom box too that we would put out every day on the way other side oh, of the pool. Oh my God. It was the best thing yes, ever. Yes, we plug it into the office. Mm-hmm. Like, who picked our music? Like, did we all agree? I don't know. Now it would be, like, yeah. crazy, I feel like. It was but just being like, five all day, day, every day. <laughs> yes. What I gotta do to see you rock them hits the night, kiss them lips the night, flip the script the night. All you gotta do is wine and dine. Oh, we had just, like, a little, a little table, like a little four-legged table at McLean. We didn't even have an office. We, we had a table we had to carry ourselves yes. out there. <laughs> Yes, we'd lock it up in that that equipment box at the end of the night. It's so funny that we had a landline phone too that we would have to drag out. The, yes, it had like a long ass cord. Like, yes. where was that even coming from? You I know. The whole phone. <laughs> <laughs> How that's that's what's so crazy about this whole job is that we sat out there all day with no cell phones, like no yeah. entertainment. It must be so different now, right? We we, we had to like play with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Just the hangout. I mean, I just the amount of bullshit, right? Like we just literally sat around laughing, entertaining yourself, entertaining each other, dumb stories, dumb games, so many dumb games. The one, the folks that were like good at diving would like Mm -hmm. jump on the diving board and do dives and like try to out dive each other. Mm -hmm. And we would cheer. Yep. All of it. it was nonsense. Throwing bones. So we would That's rotate. That's I learned how to play dominoes. Completely. Me yeah. too. I don't think I knew how to play dominoes before that. I was just like, what's this? So life goes like this. There are stations at the pool. And then, so however many lifeguards you have, there has to be one lifeguard per station. And then you would rotate because it's really hot and you don't want to be in the sun for too long because it's unsafe for you to just stare at water in one spot for hours and hours because someone could drown and whatever. 
So we would rotate in 15-minute rotations. Yeah. So it was up to the head guard and lifeguard – or head guard and pool manager to make sure that they had enough lifeguards to cover the stations, and you were required to have one station that was an off break. Yes. Now, if there weren't that many kids in the pool, mm-hmm. you could close stations. Mm-hmm. So then you'd have like More. three stations yeah. on, two stations off. Mm-hmm. Just the lifeguard rotation too. We had like we had like three lifeguards on and three off. That's the, the way to roll. Were- <laughs> yeah, it, it was. And so when you were rotating off, right? right. This was like the joyous moment when it was. we were off the rotation. Mm-hmm. So that's when we would sit around rubbing sunscreen on each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was absolutely necessary. It was. And to the lips of God, may we not get cancer because of all of the sunscreen rubbing that we did. Right. And also, it was really nice because we were usually hungover. Mm-hmm. So to have somebody rub your shoulders and put some sunblock yeah. on you, it was pretty nice. That's when we would also play dominoes. Mm-hmm. We would all hang out. We were supposed to, like, clean the bathrooms or, like, do other stuff sometimes. But mostly we gave that to the to the new kids. So um, if a, you were a head guard or a pool manager, you would schedule it so that you never had to rotate on. Amen. Because what if there's a situation... You had to be free to handle the situation, right? right? Yeah. If somebody needed to go run to the 7-Eleven to get Slurpees, yeah. Yeah. to get Slurpees right. and Parliaments, right. somebody had to go be able to be free to do that. Right. Or, Definitely. you know, handle an emergency situation. There had right. to be somebody around to call 911. Not everyone could be on duty. Right. So mm-hmm. we would schedule it so you have enough lifeguards to cover all the stations including an off station and then as a pool manager and a head guard you didn't have to rotate on right yeah that was ideal right sometimes you had to like what did we do every day at mclean tanya we would argue about who was going to rotate out next the, the ones that were off they were just like jumping in the pool riding their bicycles on the pool deck riding off the diving boards into the pool you know just just the the stupidest stuff ever um and then you just blow your whistle and say rotate and then everyone would rotate and they'd bump each other go around the pool wearing a whistle was a big part of it red shorts white shirt red swimsuit I still have my whistle. It's on my keys. It's a Fox 40. It's very mm-hmm. loud. I'm very attached to it. Yeah. You're yeah. Very, very particular. I've had that whistle for like 20 something years. Right. Let's do a review of our skills. So when you are on deck, you're at your station, right? The key is to move your eyes. They cannot remain at one point. You have to scan the pool from one side to the other with an awareness of all of the people in the pool back and forth. Yeah, I would just count everybody. That's what I did too. Yeah, over and over and over again. So that's why it's important to rotate every 15 or 20 minutes because like your eyes and your brain get tired, right? You have to actually pay attention. Stop running! 
it was largely the don't run, which I know sounds like so cliche. It's on the movies. Everybody knows don't run, stupid lifeguards. But this is actually really critical because most of the injuries that we encountered at the pool was children slipping and falling on the pool deck, which is concrete. And you're going to scratch your shit up. So don't run. And no dunking. Oh, and also the big one, no diving, because you will bash your head on the bottom of the pool. There are areas for diving. Go to that area. But it was very strange why kids would want to dive into the shallow end. Always. Always. Right. So no running, no diving. Those were the things I screamed hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. On the, like, job aspect, yeah. right? I did a lot of Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and so many, like, so good faces. Yeah. Just remember kids, like, running in with bloody faces. Yeah, all the time. Because they always ran on the pool. Or they, like, ran into the water fountain or, like, <laughs> yeah. weird things. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh-huh. So many bloody faces. So much first aid. Or they're, like, they have, like, blood on their feet. Like, just, like, like footsteps of blood everywhere. How did you cut your foot? Yeah. So there was a lot of first aid involved. We did have a lot of blood. Like, oh, he has a bloody nose. Get out. Like, oh, you got your your legs bleeding. You know, get out of the pool. Mostly it was just little cuts and bruises. You know what the worst injury I had as a lifeguard? was getting out of the pool and my whistle (gasps) scraped across my stomach. And I had this like... Or, you know, yeah, but then I was in the sun for the rest of the summer, and so then I always I still have a scar there, yeah, from the whistle. Well, yeah, we had the metal whistles, like that will mess you up, and they burned you, yeah. yeah. If there's an issue, you then jump into the pool. You would normally do a stride jump so that you can stay above water and maintain eye contact and keep a visual on the person who is drowning. Right. So basically your head doesn't go underwater. Your arms kind of flap down to the side so that your head stays up so you can maintain eye contact. Yeah. And you kick down. But you have your you have your lifeguard buoy underneath your arms because you never want to approach a drowning victim without something to give to them because otherwise they're going to try to grab onto you. So, I mean, there's the seriousness of it. I never actually had to jump in like that to get someone ever. It was always just I'd see a kid who couldn't quite make it to the side and then you just put out your buoy. You say, grab on, grab on, and then you pull them to the side. Most of our rescues were, as Vicky described, just reaching the buoy out to help someone get to the wall. Or grabbing a lightning-fast toddler who escaped from their parents and plopped in the pool right in front of you. The baby jumps in the deep, it just walks into the deep end, and I grab the baby and pull the baby right back out. Yes, that happened more than once. Here's Tamara and Corey's rescues that stuck in their brain. We were having a big pool party. There were a bunch of people randomly in the pool. And you kind of just watch the bay of people and scan back and forth for anybody that's maybe not doing so well and I see this kid she's pretty small she looks to be about five or so and she's in the shallow end with other people that she knows and she looks like she's doing okay and then I look back over and she's just bobbing up and down 
So I'm like, hey, I start yelling for the people close to her to get her, and then she just goes under the water. So I toot toot, <laughs> jump in, swim over there and pick her up, and she's just all smiles and everything is fine. <laughs> A couple of coughs of water out, and I'm like, my heart was racing because I'm thinking this poor child is drowning, and she was like, <laughs> It's okay. Hey, do you want to play? <laughs> no, I'm just over here having a heart attack right now. You just scared the life out of me. Yeah. But that was probably the worst. Yeah. It was getting through the people. Right. There were so many people in the pool just to get over to where she was. Yeah. It was nerve wracking. It probably took, you know, 15, 30 seconds, but... we had a migrant group that came through like 200 kids Ooh. all uh, Southeast Asian for swim lessons for the first part and then they had free swim we kept the majority of them in the lap pool starts about three feet all mm -hmm. the way to about five and a half we had four lifeguards on that pool and at least two on the dive tank so more lifeguards than normal. I was at the dive tank. I was sitting actually up in the chair overlooking sort of everything. And in the lap pool, in the five foot area, a little girl went under with some other kids. And when she tried to get back up, there were so many other kids, she couldn't actually get to the top. The whistle blew, we cleared the pool, just all of it happened so fast. In scenarios, you sort of plan out who's doing what. Mm -hmm. And I ended up being like the fourth rescuer. So the first two were taking care of the actual kid. I was helping clear the pool. Somebody else made the phone call to 911. And so my job was really crowd control and to make sure everybody had everything they needed. They got her back out. We did do CPR on her for a little bit. She ended up foaming. She was foaming at the mouth, but it was really the water coming out of her lungs, turned her on her side, or she ended up getting taken away by ambulance. She was fine. She wasn't without oxygen for very long. Mm -hmm. um, but it was so fast, and it really showed the need for practice. And I remember feeling like our team really did exactly what we were supposed to do. And I remember sort of thinking like, you know, we sort of did that textbook. Phil added this interesting conclusion to that story. And then his family had to come back on the pool deck and, and drown a chicken in the pool. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God, drown what? A chicken? Yeah, I forgot that part. Right, and why did they come back? Like what, do you know what the ritual was? Basically to their God, they had to drown the chicken to, uh, you know, because they were, the, their God was going to drown their child. Instead, they decided, you know, they're, they're going to drown a chicken instead. Wow. So they had to drown it. And you guys were okay with that? You're like, yes, bring the chicken right into the pool. We're good to go here. <laughs> I mean, come on. That kind of seems like something we would do. Like, I mean, okay, big totally shrug, right? Do. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm only lot. here to guard children, not chickens, so... <laughs> Though Fresno has a large Hmong population, I hadn't heard of this ritual before. Maeve May wrote a piece on Medium.com that includes her near-drowning experience, 
It's called Hmong People and the Propensity for Navigating Tragedy Towards Large Bodies of Water. She says that according to shamans, spirits inhabit everything in this world. They're spiritual guardians of places like mountains and rivers. And it's customary to appease these spirits with offerings of food when journeying through their land. We've got one more save story with a twist. It's a red shirt drill. I do remember doing like the fake save. It was like a normal day and like the people in charge came in and like fake drowned. Oh my God, like tested? Yeah. Oh. And I, it like happened on my watch. Oh, scary. Like it was in my section. He like dived in the shallow end, pretending like he broke his neck, and I had to dive in and get him and put him on the backboard and like take him. But it was like kids were like freaking out because they thought it was real. Right. And it's like, okay, if we're gonna do this like fake thing, we need to tell people this is only a drill. Right. Because every yeah, every there's probably some kid talking about it right now. (laughs) Still. That's like 25. The kid is 25 now, and he's like, oh my god, I didn't think this guy was going to make it. But luckily, this very tan brunette put him on the backboard, and he was okay. He survived. But it was only because of this really tan brunette. (laughs) She did it. That's it. I was teaching swim lessons to this little girl, and uh, she said, I had a t- I have a tummy ache, so I picked her up out of the water to put her up on the edge, and she projectile vomited what looked like pink Play-Doh at me, and I dodged, and it went past me into the pool, so then we got to close down for the day. Right. Okay, so that is one of the joys that we have is the Code Brown. Yup. Of course, Code Brown. Oh, my God, the mud shark. (laughs) Code Brown, mud shark. You would assume a Code Brown is rare and upsetting. It's not. We would want it to happen because we would get to (laughs) shut the pool down and just sit and do nothing. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) We'd get everyone out of the pool and we'd send them outside the gate and shut the gate. There was definitely a rotation who had to take care of the mud shark. Mm-hmm. And we also maybe had some kids do it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't, but... But you did. Somebody may have had a kid do it. We would treat the pool. We would make sure the pH was right. How long did they have to stay out of the pool for? Do you remember? We go to shut down for the rest of the day, right? Did we ever open for swim lessons like in the evening after that? I feel, yes. There was a certain amount of time, but I can't remember what it was. There was a certain amount of time. I also think that it was pretty lax for a while and then toward it got more. Because I feel like in the beginning it wasn't like you had to shut down forever. Right. It was like scoop it out put a whole bunch of chlorine in, get back to business. Yeah, wait an hour, <laughs> get everybody a popsicle. Mm-hmm. Except you can't have the day off because 
the pool is open technically to the public. So you have to be there there to make sure that nobody gets in. Right. You have to tell them, I'm sorry, the pool is closed because it's a code brown. This is when the city of Fresno lost money. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But that is not our fault that someone shart in the pool. We have endless fecal fables, but I've narrowed it down to the top three. I'm sitting on the high guard stand and I see a pile of poo. It was like diarrhea floating in the middle of the deep end. So I'm blowing my whistle and telling all the kids to get out at the closest exit. And my life or one of my swim team kids is like, lifeguard Vicky, what? And he starts swimming toward me. And I'm like, stop, stop. And he raises his hand up and he puts his hand right in the middle of the poo pile. And I'm like, oh, it was like it happened in slow motion. What is it? Somebody would shit in the urinal like every day. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out why someone would shit in the urinal in the boys' bathroom like every day. Right. And then we would make somebody go clean it up Mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. But shout out to, at Fresno High, since it was a school district, we had a janitor. We did. And he looked like... Because he was, like, just like the guy from Friday's. Yeah, the old guy from Friday. Like the dad. Yes! Yes! The dad! The dad! Now, tell the story about the kid that shot on the pool deck. It was an evening swimming lesson. (laughs) Oh, this is so gross. The amount of poo that came out of the kid was, like, the same size as the kid. Oh! It's, like, so so much. And at least somebody had enough reason to throw him out of the pool during the poo incident. And he did his business (laughs) on the pool deck. Yeah. The mom saw a trash can, (laughs) took the trash can. Put it upside down on top of the shit. The shit. Yeah. And then just walked away. Yeah. And also, we <laughs> left it that way. That way, way yeah. The janitor. We were like, Godspeed, my friend. <laughs> so well, that's a day in the life of a community lifeguard. Did it match what you had in your mind before? Playing dominoes, blowing your whistle, shutting down for the shits? Those are the highlights. But there's a lot more about aquatics culture that we didn't quite get to. So how far are we taking this podcast as to what we did when the pool was closed? There were parties and hookups and after-hours adventures. And as I said, those 10 years changed my whole life. One of the things that has influenced my life the most out of everything. And now that we're far away from it to process, what did this job do to our psyches? Okay, so my question now, is this job 
inappropriate and traumatizing for 16 year olds. I know. We have a lot still to explore. So tune in next time for more Tan Tales.